Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. How about we pray today? Father God, we just thank you so much for your son. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave to us 2,000 years ago with his death on the cross. Lord, we thank you that you did it for us, that you had us in mind from the beginning, that you loved us so much that you would do such a thing. Lord, help us remember and take time over this weekend to really remember who you are, how much you love us, not just loved, but love us even now, and take time to remember the death that Jesus took for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things are made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God created everything. God created the heavens and the earth. And all that was in it. Animals, plants, water, sky. It was good. Very good. He made man and then woman to fill and look after his creation. And they were placed in the garden. The representative space of God's goodness. Man and woman talked directly to God and their relationship was mutually guaranteed. They were the images of God. Although man and woman were tempted to follow their own ways and took the path of disobedience by eating a fruit which plunged the world into sin, a spiritual attitude of isolation and separation from God. God worked in the lives of many, creating for himself a chosen people, led by those who would be known by name for generations, even for today. Although mankind tried and failed to live a life that reflected the original goodness that was present in the garden. Wars, famines, disease, selfishness, pride, immorality took the lead in this world rather than that of the original creation. God sent messages to remind the world of who their first love should have been. They came, they shared, and they were hated for it. This continued to happen until God's plan began at its climax through God's Son, the Word, God Himself, Jesus. When He came down to live on this earth, humbling Himself even to the conditions of this world, He came demonstrating God's character of love, justice, mercy, and forgiveness to all who would hear, and then was hated by those He sought to challenge due to their apathy and jealousy. To the point that they sent him, innocent, to the cross. 
horrifically tortured, treated, and then death. Only for wanting to bring the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the original goodness of God to this world. To give us a way of reconciling with the Father and the true love that we were to have and the relationship we were to have. John 1, 6, 11 says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone has, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And I'm going to read the crucifixion from Matthew 27, starting from after he was sentenced. Matthew 27, 27. You're welcome to follow on if you want. I'm reading out of a different version than the NIV for this one. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from that cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from that cross right now and he will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. 
Then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. It's one of those things, I was thinking about it over the week. You know, we come to church, we, if you're a Christian, you come to church and you, you know about Christ, you know that he's your saviour. And sometimes we can easily forget how hectically this situation, this moment in history that Jesus actually did die for us. That there was an action taken so that we could be freed and we can have a reconciliation, a connection, a relationship with the God who created all things. I too, even it was hard to write what I'm going to speak about because it's like, how do I do this justice? Because this is such an important moment of history. A moment, this, is, this is our faith. This is who we are. And so really just taking in that, yes, Jesus died. He was tortured. He was abused. And even if you put yourself in that situation, you would, I know I myself, I would struggle so much to be in that situation. But he knew what he was doing it for. He knew he was doing it for the world that God loved so much that he was sent in the world for. And so I guess that's my first point today. For others, you might not, you might be here and you might be visiting church because it's Easter and that's great that you're here and we welcome you. I guess the question is, if this is a moment in history, is that important to me if I don't believe? Well, I was thinking about this and you might have different views on C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis writes this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So what I read before, you might sit there and go, I don't care about that. I, I don't really believe that. But in all honesty, I hope you do because historically we have this moment in history and I'll tell you there's, there's, there's experiences and historical documents that say this did happen. But it's so important and why he died and people might not forget this, that we might think about, oh, we, we worship someone who died on a cross. Well, we worship a person, a man, a God who was resurrected again. And we'll hear that on Sunday. That the power of God came through him to be resurrected. But he died for us. And so that we can have reconciliation with the Father, that we can be built and connected, have a way where there was no way. A righteous man for unrighteousness. Because we are sinners. And I want to describe what sin is because sometimes we get this bad negative connotation. All humans, I'm a sinner. And we go, oh, sin is huge, horrible. Well, in a way it is. Because it's what is opposite of God. 
That sin separates us from God, not because God wants to be separated from us, but we want to be separated from Him. And Jesus made a way so that we can relinquish our sins to God and go, I need you, God. That He needed a sacrificial lamb like Jesus to take on all that so that we can be connected to Him. So why is it important? Well, I think... You know, I could stop my message right now if I thought it was false and there's no importance. I wouldn't be up here right now. In my own life, I know that's a, one of those cliches, but I definitely know that Jesus and, and, and God in my life is working. And those sitting here today would probably testify the same thing. There's an experience that God has got you and has your heart because he is working in your life in the good, the bad, whatever's going on. So I believe that it is important because it is my salvation, my, my future assurance to be worshipping God in heaven, that my relationship with God comes through Jesus and that's the only way I can have my relationship with the Father who loves me through this death that Jesus made. History actually expresses that this is a moment in history. The death of Christ is something that has been recorded by a lot of people who are close to that time and so seen as uh, references that are appropriately understood and accepted. Not only do we have many sources that come into our Bible, there's many sources that Mark wrote about from, many sources and evidences if you go deep into there, but there's three main ones. The Jewish Talmud, Tacitus, which is a Roman centurion later on, and Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. People who would have no want to describe anything about Christ, and they write about him. Writings from the opposite party is usually an interesting one because if we were only going by ourselves and going by what we say, people who are Christians, but then others say actually he was a real man, that people followed him, then that's an amazing truth. Josephus says this around 70 AD. At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus and his conduct was good. He was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders and the tribe of the Christians so named after him has not disappeared to this day. And so Josephus, who's a Jewish person who would probably say no way is Jesus the Messiah, is saying that Jesus was a real man and he did die crucified on a cross. And so that's why I think one way this is so important because it is historically accurate. There's a space there historically this did happen. Not only my own relationship and experiences of God, this also comes in this way. Another thing I think why we think we need to understand why it's important because the Bible has been talking about it for years before Jesus. The Old Testament has many times written about a future coming Messiah who would fulfill what is known as prophecies, things that would happen in this person's life. A lot of them, even dating to 400 years before and probably more so even than that. That one of them that I really enjoy reading 
and makes me really think. And people need to not think about Colin Buchanan when we read it. But around 700 years ago, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah was written. And there's a dated back evidence from the Dead Sea Scrolls found 100, which will come from 100, 150 BC, even before Christ. That's 150 odd years before Christ. This section in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, which I'll read in a second, talks of a suffering servant, a servant who goes through extreme pain, suffering and rejection, a servant willing to go through that pain, torture and subsequent death, even though he was innocent, and to give the world the option of a salvation and freedom from sin. Isaiah 53, I'll read it. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God and a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so he could be whole. He was whipped so he could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins." I will give him the honours of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was accounted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. I really want us to take that one and the rest of it as well. I encourage you to read it. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole and we could be healed. John 3.16 talks about God sending his one and only son into the world because he loved us. He bore what we deserve. We should have been on that cross. We deserve death. But God wanted a relationship. He wanted us to be closer in that way. There's a word that gets thrown around in Christian circles and so good it is because it is a word that makes so much sense in this context is the word grace. And sometimes we don't 
fully understand Christianese sometimes. We kind of go, oh yeah, that's just something we hear in churches and we, we hear it happen, connotations in a Christian space. But I want to talk to you about grace for a second, if I haven't already talked about it enough. Ephesians 2, 4 says this to 10, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are, were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Grace. And you might, you might know what it is, but I'm going to explain. I've got a few definitions. What is grace? God has given us grace through Jesus. It is unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification that we are becoming more and more like Christ through the Holy Spirit. If you choose Christ in your life, your life starts changing. You start talking differently. You start acting differently when your eyes are fixed in that way. A virtue coming from God, a state of sanctification and joy through divine assistance, approval, favour, stayed in His good graces. God approves of His love of us, so He gave us His grace. Mercy, a pardon, a special favour, privilege, each in, his, each in his place, by right not grace shall rule his heritage. Disposition to awe and act or, insta, or an instance of kindness, courtesy or clemency. A temporary exemption, a reprieve, or to grant dignity or honour. And so when we talk about grace, God has done that. That in all those descriptions, he's given us honour through Christ. That we have been favoured because of Christ. In our own work, we are not favoured because of the, we, we decide, I decide to do things that are oppositional to God. But when we start living a life in Christ, we are favoured because we start living a life like Christ. Kindness. That's one that got me, that even though we didn't want God, God still wanted us. That through his kindness, like I know even as a human, sometimes when someone doesn't give me their time and I kind of expect it, I kind of get a bit upset about that. And God, plenty of times through history, through the Bible, you see that he put his hand out to try and help. He tried to build relationship. He tried to do this. And and probably even in our own lives, you could probably go, yes, there's been so many times where God's probably tried and tried and tried and I've gone, nah, nah. But he stayed faithful and he is faithful. And through his kindness, he still gives us the grace to make mistakes, but still come to him. So I encourage you today, remember the cross because it is the definition of our faith. 
For without that, we would not have that way to the loving Father. But He planned it from the beginning. He knew He's the Alpha, the Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. And He made that plan and purpose to save us because He loves us. But the biggest thing I love about God is He loves us so much that He will sit, stand, be at the door knocking, faithfully waiting for us to open up and let Him in. He'll always give opportunities for relationship. But it's us who has to decide if we want it or not. And that's the biggest love and grace that he's shared in this space. There is a way to him, but we've got to choose it. As I finish, I'm going to read Romans 10, 9 to 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let us pray. Father, we... Lord, I pray that we just humbly come to you today. Maybe push a few things aside to take time just to remember who you are. Remember where we're at. But understand that you love us nonetheless. That you've given us a way to you. You give us relationship, even though maybe we don't always want it. And you'll still give it anyway. <laughs> Father, I pray that we take time to really accept and, and appreciate and understand the, the sacrifice of Jesus, but also the love that you, you constantly and faithfully have given to us, even though we may not see it, even when we do see it and have rejected it. Father, Lord, I pray that we take time just to really think of those things. That you love us so much. The, the ultimate kindness, the grace that you give us. Lord, thank you for Good Friday. In the name of Jesus. Amen.